dreams about food, you know, constantly thinking about, you know, we would just walk down the trail and like fantasize about, you know, how could we make the best BLT sandwich? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was just like every, and then in the morning, uh, on the morning of town day, we would like, you know, oh, there's 10 miles to town. Like, no one stopped. Like, no one is gonna take a break. Like, no one's gonna be lollygagging. It's just like run to town as fast as you possibly can to get food. And then consume mass quantities of it. Yeah, any kind of buffet, Waffle House. listening to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Oil Can, known off-trail as Eddie Boyd. He spent his senior year of high school prepping for his Sobo hike of the Appalachian Trail. 25 miles in, he abandoned the trail. As you can probably guess, that's not the end of the story. In this episode, he talks about leaving, then returning to the trail in the same year, and subsequently completing his Triple Crown. You can find us at hiking-through.com, through spelled T-H-R-U, of course, where you can find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Oil Can. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, got off work here. Pretty normal day. How about you? Yeah, I'm kind of working from home today, so it's kind of exciting. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Uh, a little less of a commute in LA is a good thing. Oh, that's yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, now, what what do you do? What is your what is your job? Um, I'm I actually work uh, for a catering company. Okay. So. Yeah, just uh, special events, weddings, all the whole, the whole nine. Now, is this something that you're like? Is this your calling besides for through hiking, or is this some place to earn some money for the next hike? Uh, yeah, it's just my, um, it's just my college job, basically. Okay, I'm just yeah, yeah, just the money maker, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've talked to a number of of triple crowners. I'm going to call you and. They all seem to be sort of of the same mind, which is we work, we earn money, we quit our job, and we go hike. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Luckily, uh, luckily they've actually had me back. Uh, I didn't. I've hadn't had to quit. Uh, so nice. That's been nice. Yeah, yeah. They're very supportive. So I got a lucky gig. Yeah. No. Nice. Congratulations for them. Congratulations for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. In in doing the the kind of some research on you, I noted that the first hike you did was the AT, mm-hmm. which seems to be many people's first experience with through hiking, and you were doing it as part of a a senior project or a senior yeah, high school project, um, I should say. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, my senior capstone. Uh, I guess that's you know that's what we would call it, and mm-hmm. um, I was actually part of an alternative learning program that um, was really focused on real world experience and stuff like that. So uh, I had the freedom to kind of 
pick my calling uh, or what I, you know, mm-hmm. what I love to do. Um, so yeah, I spent the last uh, semester of high school preparing um, for the AT. I was actually able to get off school every day at one o'clock. Um, I would like work out and, you know, research gear and stuff. And um, it was really cool because I, I before I even hit the trail, um, I was able to, you know, bring my base weight down like mm-hmm. 13 pounds. And, you know, it was just wow. like all the, you know, all the stuff that, you know, you would have learned on the trail mm-hmm. from trial and error. I was able to kind of get around before I actually hiked. So that was really cool. That actually is pretty great. And it's almost like getting paid to through hike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. It, yeah. Unfortunately I never got paid, but yeah, it was, it was really cool that I would, that they were, you know, supportive of it mm-hmm. and everything that I was able to, you know, yeah, just have that free time to, to get ready. Now, how did you land on doing the AT? Actually, um, when I was a freshman in high school, um, my buddy uh, was like, yo, like, wouldn't it be cool, you know, if we did the Appalachian Trail after high school, you know, and I think, you know, the AT is just like, when you think of a long adventure in the U.S., that's kind Mm -hmm. of the number one, you know, go-to. And I uh, obviously have traveled all over the East coast uh, my whole life. I never like really hiked out in the mountains out there. So I just got really interested in it and um, started watching YouTube videos. And like, I saw like other people out there who were like, just out of high school, like who had done it. And I was like, wow, this, you know, this could be a real thing for me. And I actually uh, went out there and um, even with all the prep, I was going to go southbound and I I ended up quitting the trail after like 25 miles. Um, 25 miles, did, not not 25 days, but 25 miles. No, 25 miles. Yeah. So like I did Katahdin. Yeah, I did Katahdin. And then the next day I did like 15 miles after that. And then the next morning I turned around um, because I was dehydrated from mm. Katahdin. I mean, I did the knife edge um, with my sister. So we went up the knife edge and down the AT. And, um, it absolutely like destroyed me. I, I, Katahdin was like the first real mountain that I had ever climbed in my life. So, mm-hmm. um, it kind of just, I, you know, totally intimidated me, put me in a bad state of mind. And then, so then when I started getting sick from being dehydrated, you know, I didn't really know what was going on, right. blah, blah, blah. So I just, you know, I let it get to me and yeah, I, I had my uncle, my uncle picked me up uh, at uh, A-Ball Bridge and I actually went home. I mean, luckily a week later, I, I went back and went for the flip-flop. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, even even with all that prep, it still got me at the beginning there. <laughs> it psyched you out. Yeah, totally, totally. So. so what in that week that you were home, like what was your thought process that got you back out there again after after you had been psyched out essentially? Right. I, I remember getting home and just like, I remember getting home and just like sitting in my bed for the first time and just being like, you know, I, I literally started crying because I was like, you know, this is like, what am I doing here? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, this is, I felt that I had made the wrong decision. I was so excited. You know, that's all I've been thinking about for the last year doing yeah. this hike. And I had told everyone about it and, you know, that I was going to do it. And my friends all, you know, gave me a bunch of grief for it. Um, I remember one friend, I was like, I told him like, what happened? He's like, Oh, that's, that's lame, dude. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, it is kind of lame, you know? So, um, yeah, I just kind of regrouped and 
figured that starting in West Virginia would be um, much easier and I could kind of, you know, get, get together with the northbound hikers and, and, uh, and, you know, kind of learn from them. And, mm-hmm. and it actually worked out really well. Um, flip-flopping is, especially for someone who has never done a hike, like starting there in West Virginia and going north is what I would recommend. I, I, I really was able to kind of ease into it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then by the time I got back to Katahdin, and, you know, I felt this incredible sense of accomplishment, you know, standing on top of Katahdin again and being like, you know, I walked 1200 miles to get here. Yeah. Um, and I was just like totally stoked to go around and do the, the last half of the trail. So yeah, that was, that was, it was a great way to come back for sure. So, so for you, the flip-flop was you, you started the, at, at Katahdin and then, mm-hmm. and, and stopped. And then to make up for the fact that because you were going to go southbound, you had started later in the season and stuff, you went, when you went back in, you went to West Virginia, did everything mm-hmm. north, and then flipped down to where and went which direction? I, so I um, went, got the Katahdin, came home for another week, um, and then I went back to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, um, which is like the psychological halfway point. It's where the uh, ATC headquarters are mm-hmm. and where most, that's where most people do their flips from. So I, Went, yeah, so, and then on September, like in September, I went back to there and then went south. Okay. So it was actually really, it was really cool, like, going down the steps from the ATC and getting onto the AT and, like, looking north and, like, remembering myself, like, walking that way. Mm-hmm. And then, like, now I'm walking the other way, you know, so it was it was pretty cool. You're sort of a, a born-again hiker at that moment. Right. No, it was, it was um, I felt... I felt almost that it was another adventure, like a totally different through hike um, because I, you know, was just this, you know, not a hiker when I started there and I'd come back, you know, and I was just getting ready to do 175 miles in in a week, which Mm -hmm. is something that I would never have thought I would ever be able to do. (laughs) Um, So. It was, it was definitely like, um, it was, it came, everything came on the AT, everything came so perfectly full circle for me. It was just, it was perfect. And kind of what was your takeaway from all of that, from that experience? I, I honestly, I just, I, I got, got totally addicted to long distance hiking. I mean, it was just like, um, you know, the, the people that I met inspired me, um, and just like encouraged me to, you know, kind of break away from the norm, I guess, and do what I really wanted to do, which was, you know, adventure. And I, I just really like, it really instilled kind of like a, kind of like a, a very firm self-confidence in myself um, that I, you know, that I mean, that I, if I had an idea in my head that, you know, all I had to do was just, you know, buckle down and do it. And not only, you know, and it wasn't just like, it wasn't all grit, you know, I, I had a ton of fun, you know, mm-hmm. so it was just perfect. Yeah. And I would imagine that having left the trail and come back to it, that that was also a big lesson in terms of doing the hard stuff, you know, the not right. fun stuff sometimes. Right. right. Definitely. And, uh, you know, and I, I, you know, on the AT, I was so eager about it all that, mm-hmm. you know, that those kind of things didn't really, you know, bother me. I wasn't too, um, 
you know, concerned about having to deal with um, the, you know, weather or pain or whatever, you know, I was just so excited to be, to be back on trail and to be just, you know, in the shape that I was. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, what was the first thing that you dropped like gear wise or what have you on the AT? Even as, even as prepared as you were for sure. it. Oh, definitely. I remember, let's see here, in the whites, um, I, I knew that things were going to get a little harder elevation-wise. And so I, I had my friends who, you know, have 2,000 miles under the belt at that point. And I was actually hiking with a triple grounder at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I had them kind of give me a shakedown. And I remember I sent, the first thing I sent home was extra clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two shirts, that kind of stuff. Um, I definitely got rid of that. Definitely got rid of, um, what else did I get rid of? That was probably the biggest thing, clothes. And I got rid of um, my hat, my sun hat, because I felt that it was kind of, I mean, it's just kind of unnecessary in the AT mm-hmm. to have sunglasses or a sun hat, really. I mean, I, I never wore the, that kind of stuff, because there's most under tree cover most of the time. So, right. um, and what else did I get rid of? I think it was mostly clothes. That was like, that was really the biggest thing. Cause like I just got used to wearing the same shirt every day, you know, mm-hmm. which as terrible as it was on the, some of those cold mornings to kind of put, you know, that wet shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, definitely like, I just, yeah, that's, I've kind of felt, um, you know, I, I got excited that my pack was getting smaller. You know what I mean? I felt, I felt like I was kind of, really becoming like a through hiker, you know, mm-hmm. you were coming to be legit. Yeah. I was, I was, be, I was, I was becoming legit. Exactly. So when you started it, your base weight was what, and when you finished it, your base weight was what? I think my base weight when I started was probably about 17 pounds. Okay. And then by the time I was done, it was down to like probably 14 or 13. Okay. Yeah. So noticeable. Yeah, not super crazy. Not yet. Yeah, noticeable. I'm also just, I'm not super crazy ultralight. Um, I'm also like, you know, I'm six, four, 200 pounds. So it's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I don't really have to, I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a point where it's like negligible, you know, once you're, I think, I feel like once you're under 15 pounds on a base weight, it's like, okay, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's just not really going to help you that much unless you're, you know, going for like an FKT or, you know, something like that, or really trying to pound out the miles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just said SKT. What does that stand for? Oh, uh, FKT is a fastest known time. Okay. Um, which would be like, um, yeah, just the, there's, um, unsupported and supported fastest known times. Like, um, a supported would be like, you know, uh, like a runner basically has like, you know, a caravan at every, you know, road crossing mm-hmm. or, or what have you to like, right. you know, make sure that they have all the nutrients they need. Like Scott Jurek on the AT um, was okay. supported. And then the guy who just beat the PCT record that was supported. And then like the unsupported is just like, you, just like a normal crew hiker. Okay. But, um, you know, they're doing like 60 miles a day. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Actually the guy, the guy who just beat the Appalachian trail record um, unsupported, I think it was in 43 days. Um, and he was just a normal through hiker, got all of his, got all of his, you know, resupplies from post offices, all whole nine. No, no one, you know, 
was waiting for him to make anything faster, he did it and he did, you know, 50 miles a day. So it's just, that's incredible. Yeah, that's it is. It really is. It blows my mind. Honestly. Um, but yeah, like, in, unless you're really going for like something, something like that, like a sub 100 day hike or mm-hmm. speed is your goal. Then it's really, I think um, there's becomes a point where ultralight is just kind of you're, you're, you're sacrificing comfort at some point, you know? Right. And, and you're having a completely different experience of the trail. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Now in talking with a number of different triple crowners at this point, it's, it's kind of funny. Like I've spoken with eight or nine people and probably half of them are triple crowners. Uh, so I have a, I have a, an, uh, a strange weighted triple crown here, but every one of them is basically kind of saying that the AT, even though that is sort of most people's entry to through hiking, it's probably also the most difficult. Would you agree? Interesting. Interesting. Um, you know, for me, because it was my first through hike, I think I was just so excited to be out there that, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't too crazy for me. I thought the CDT was the hardest, um, just because of, you, you know, you have, you're even questioning where the, where the trail is sometimes. Right. So it's just kind of like, it's a totally completely different, um, adventure and the, conditions that you're going to face on the CDT are 10 times worse than anything I, I, I got on the AT. I mean, you know, yeah, it rains on the AT a lot. And like, whereas on the PCT, the whole entire PCT, I had six days of rain <laughs> on the whole trail. Okay. I was out there for five months. So, uh, it, you know, but on the AT, you know, obviously it rained at least once a week, if not the entire week. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of, kind of a mindset thing I, I i don't know though honestly it's really hard for me to to decide like really which one was the hardest but because i was so focused on the goal and doing it and just mm-hmm. being just generally excited about being out there that it, i didn't care how hard it was you know any the worst day on trail is 10 times better than any you know any good day here you know for me at right. least yeah no I, I i'm hearing that a lot yeah so speaking of i mean you you mentioned you're six four you're 200 pounds how were you eating what were you eating how were you resupplying out there to try to keep up that yeah. weight to try to keep up the the hiking right i well i lost a ton of weight by the end of the trail i i mean i had all on each trail i probably lost 30 pounds so oh wow it's just okay. kind of like yeah. So uh, there's really no way to keep the weight on um, unless you're just gorging yourself all day. I still, I really don't think you can do it through hike without losing. Even if you don't have any weight to lose, you're going to lose mm-hmm. weight. But, you know, I was just eating crap, honestly, <laughs> which might be why I was losing weight. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was eating food that's not really, you know, just cheap and, you know, I would try and do my resupplies for like 40 bucks, you know, and not go any more than that, you know, just ramen, mac and cheese, instant mashed potatoes. That's like, that's the dinner pretty much every mm-hmm. night. And, and then for snacks, you know, uh, cliff bars, Snickers bars, granola bars, you know, oatmeal cream pies, like just, you know, just quick things, quick sugar, quick, right. you know, to, to get you to the next snack, you know. Did, what did you have for breakfast or what were you? 
for breakfast, usually I'm not a big breakfast person. Usually I, I, um, would just kind of get up and hike like a mile or two before I would really be hungry. And, um, I was doing you know, mostly just bars for breakfast. Um, but a great breakfast is if the weather is cold, I started doing this actually this past summer on the greater Yellowstone Traverse. I was eating bagels and cream cheese with, um, deli meat uh, on there too. Um, wow. that is like, my go-to uh if if the weather is if it's dipping below 40 degrees 50 degrees at any point during the day uh, or at night you can totally bring cream cheese cheese butter whatever you know whatever you want people Mm -hmm. i mean i i i had cheese with me all the time like that was a i always had cheese on all of the trails or just on the the greater yellowstone all the trails okay all the trails yeah cheese is cheese is one of those things that like it's totally fine. And people, I mean, it gets a little greasy and kind of nasty looking, but it's not bad, you know, and Mm -hmm. people think that that needs to be refrigerated. And I can tell you that it definitely does not need to be refrigerated. (laughs) So, um, and that's great too. Cheese is great because it's, you know, high in fat and just like, you know, something, you know, it's very, um, savory, nice thing to Mm -hmm. have on trail. So what type of cheese were you, were you carrying? Um, only the sharpest of cheddars. Okay. That's, that, that's what would do the best out there. It's just like, like Cabot, like Cabot, you know, like the white cheddar, mm-hmm. um, or like, um, uh, just, yeah, the sharpest cheddar I could find at the store is always what I would carry out. So it, it sounds like you were doing a lot of your resupplying from the stores along the way, as opposed to like resupply boxes and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Resupply boxes are really expensive. If Yeah. Um, because you have to buy the food, but you also have to pay, you have to pay 20 bucks mm-hmm. to send the box. And then it's yeah. like some of those spots even make you pay even more money to even pick up the box. So oh, really, Oh yeah. Like there, there'll be places on the PCT and AT where you'll have a $10 box fee or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. the, to hold it or whatever. I know at Cat Meadows, I think it was like 10 bucks um, to get your okay. box on the PCT. Um, but yeah, like I grocery store resupplies, especially on the AT and PCT and really CDT are quite abundant. Um, it's, it's really, I mean, you could get away with sending, you know, under five boxes for each of the trails. Mm-hmm. And then that's nice too, because, you can eat what you want to eat. You know, you don't, you're not, you know, stuck with this box that you made for yourself three months ago mm-hmm. and you don't want to eat any of it, you know, cause it's probably the same stuff as your last box. So it's just kind yeah. of, it, you know, it was nice to have that diversity to kind of switch it up. Was there anything that you got completely sick of? Totally. Yeah. Um, I don't eat, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I totally got sick of ramen and mashed potatoes. I would mix them together. It's mm-hmm. called a ramen bomb. Um, and um, I'm mac and cheese, totally sick of it. Um, uh, yeah, I I got, by this hike that I did last summer, um, all the food that I was eating, I just, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to I gotta figure something out for my next hike, what I'm going to do to kind of switch it up because the, the run-in-the-mill, like, cheap stuff just is not cutting it for me anymore. Yeah. Were you having issues with hiker hunger? Oh, yeah. Yeah, really bad. Like, dreams about food, you know, mm-hmm. like, constantly thinking about, you know, we would just walk down the trail and, like, fantasize about, you know, how could we make the best 
BLT sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. it was just like, you know, every, and then in the morning, you know, uh, on the morning of town day, we would like, you know, oh, there's 10 miles to town. Like no one stops. Like no one is going to take a break. Like no one's going to be lollygagging. It's just like run mm-hmm. to town as fast as you possibly can to get food. <laughs> so. And then consume mass quantities of it. Yeah, any kind of buffet, Waffle House, just McDonald's, whatever, just mm-hmm. tons of food for a low price. That was always the what we were going for. Yeah. What was the what was the longest mileage that you did in one day or one go round without stopping or without sleeping? Um, yeah, in the basin, I actually had two personal record breaking days in a row. Um, I did a 37 and then I woke up the next day and did a 42, 44 mile day in the basin. Wow. Which the basin is completely, completely flat. So keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, There's literally like no climbing at all. Um, So yeah, I mean the 44 mile day was like, we got up at 7am and I uh, didn't stop hiking until like 1245 at night. And that was mostly just because I hated the basin and we all wanted to get out of there. (laughs) So uh, yeah. (laughs) How did your body feel after that? Oh, terrible. <laughs> okay. Terrible. I mean, I, I remember just like getting to uh getting to camp that night and just kinda being delirious and you know, I was like totally having like weird thoughts, like really weird um thoughts and like just kind of mindset basically by the end of it. It was it was mm-hmm. kinda weird. And then the next day I had to wake up and still hike twenty two miles into Rollins, which 18 of those miles were on paved road. So How did that, um, that next day was terrible. I mean, I, I think that's probably the single shittiest hiking day I've ever had. Definitely. It's just like doing that 20 miles into Rollins after, after pushing so many miles mm-hmm. and just being on the road the whole time. Yeah, that was not, but you know, I, that's what everybody does in the basin. I mean, you know, that's just, by that time on the CDT, you know, going north or south, you got at least 1,500 miles under your belt. So right. it's kind of like you're in great shape and um, it's really flat and it's just kind of the place to, it's the place to see what you're made of. It's to see, you know, <laughs> kind of like how, how many miles can be. We were, we were going for 50. We were going okay. for 50 on that 44 day, but it just didn't matter. So <laughs> The basin is where you air it out. Right. That's where you, uh, it's, 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 it's in any, in it, 44 miles in the basin for, you know, I, I've heard people doing 60 mile days. Mm-hmm. Um, the two, two girls that I were hiking with or was hiking with did 89 miles without sleeping. Holy mackerel. Yeah. So it's just kind of, it's just, it's a testing grounds really. Mm-hmm. Now is that, because of the basin itself, is that because of how far you have to go between resupplies? Is that just the nature of the beast because of where the trail goes? No, um, actually, you could you could do the basin totally normally. It's only 120 miles between towns. Mm-hmm. You could do 25 miles a day and probably have a great time. But it's um, just kind of... There's really no place to take a break because there's no shade. It's, you know, 90 to 100 degrees, you know, every day. And, you know, you kind of, there's really just, it's kind of like you're, you're, 
trudging toward Colorado, you know, and on the CDT, the pressure, the pressure, especially going southbound to get through the San Juans before the snow hits is, is insane. Uh, so it's just kind of like, you know, this is an opportunity here for us to, to make some miles, which right. makes some time up. But, you know, of course we didn't because we got to Rollins and all of us are just dead. So of course, you know, we took a day off and it's like, did you, you know, <laughs> what you know so it's it's literally just masochistic like how many miles can we hike you know it's it, it gets to right. a point where like all of us like i was hiking with a lot of triple like we were all going for our triple crown that year mm-hmm. and like it was just kind of like you know let's just all this hiking let's let's see what we can do kind of thing right did you did you make it through the san juans before the snow i did not <laughs> okay i did not i we got nailed it was an early winter that year uh, in 2017 on the cdt and we i ended up taking the creed cut off um, which saddened me to this day um but i mean we were dealing with you know calf deep snow um up right. on above 10,000, and we were just kind of like totally unprepared for it and just not really you know i didn't really there's a you know i i've hiked through a lot of snow but it's consolidated snow and and fresh snow and consolidated snow are two completely different beasts Mm -hmm. um so that was um that was definitely depressing but definitely the right decision i think um i remember standing i remember standing at the the cutoff and like after hiking through like snow all day and just being like ah you know like damn it you know i think i have to Mm -hmm. I think I got to do this, you know? Um, so yeah, I gotta be smart about it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just one of those things, you know, I, I was more focused on, on the CDT, the continuous footsteps, you know, from Canada to Mexico mm-hmm. more than, you know, making sure that I was, you know, doing the exact CDT route kind of right. thing. So is that, is the, is the road hike into Rawling, part of the CDT or is that just because of a lack of ability to hitchhike or that is part of the CDT. Okay. Yes. It literally is part of a road walk. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally, it's literally just a highway road walk. And I think the CDT, I guess the official CDT, if I remember correctly, was like off to the side, like a quarter mile, but I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'd just (laughs) rather walk the road, you know, (laughs) like it's just kind of, yeah, just, just to, get there you know so and the cdt is a lot of that you know there's it's it's kind of it's it's kind of sad because the route that is marked out is just sometimes it's just you look at the map and you're like why you know why would i do this you know it's like like the cdt will go directly like west for 25 miles and like, you know, and there's like a roadwalk, there's like a, you know, another alternate, whether it's a roadwalk mm-hmm. or trail, there's an alternate that's like, takes like an actual, like, efficient route. And, you know, and when you're like walking, you know, from Mexico to Canada, it's kind of like, sometimes you're just like, it matters. What's the deal? You know, right? I don't, I, I think, um, yeah. I don't know. I, it, it's, it's, it's kind of. It's kind of interesting. I, I the CDT, uh, I think it, I think the CDT needs a lot of work personally. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the same amount of love on it that the AT and the PCT have. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And, you know, and you don't have that excuse on the, on the AT and the PCT. It's, it's marked out like perfect trail from Mexico to Can or from, you know, Georgia and May, Mexico to Canada, whatever. You don't, you don't have those alternate options. And honestly, I was excited on being on the CDT. I'm like, I have options, you know, I can, I, if I want to see this instead of this, you know, I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was, it was kind of empowering, honestly, to, to be able to make those choices as to where I was walking. So yeah, that was nice. That was a nice aspect of the CDT. I would say it was the, the choice to yeah. do what you wanted. Talking of walking, what were you using for foot gear? What were you, did you use the same all three or? Um, I switched around a little bit. Um, I started out with, Merrill's on the AT, Merrill Moab boots that got me all the way to Maine from West Virginia. And um, those were all right. You know, they got me there. Um, But, you know, once they got wet, it was like they're wet for three days, you know. And um, that was kind of something that I I didn't like. So um, I switched to trail. I switched to Solomon XA Pros, um, which is like their trail runner, which Mm -hmm. is kind of it's kind of a beefy trail runner. It's got it's got a lot to it. Um, and I use those, um, I use those on the AT, the rest of the AT. And then I had a couple more pairs of the PCT and then, and I also used ultras on the PCT for a while. Um, and then on the CDT I used, um, I was actually part of a documentary film and we were um, sponsored by VASC. So for the okay. most part, I used VASC shoes, uh, trail runners, which I really did not like. Um, and then I also used the ultra lone peaks, which are my favorite. Do you have high arches, narrow feet, neutral pronate? You know, I think I just have normal arches, normal feet. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm honestly not hundred percent sure. I just okay. kind of like, you know, trialed around until I found what I liked. And, you know, I saw so many people using the ultras and mm-hmm. I honestly like, those are the best. I, I just I never, I took them out this year um, for my 500 mile hike in Wyoming and I didn't get a single blister, fresh hiker feet. Like, you know, nice. I went out for that 500 miles and I, mm-hmm. with the ultras and I didn't get a single blister. So that was exciting. Did you have any issues with blisters on the other trails? Oh yeah. 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 The, the on the AT, the, the Merrill's gave me really, really, really bad blisters. Like, my entire foot was completely destroyed. I had to take, I had to take like zeros cause I was so mm-hmm. bad with the, and I also had really, really bad blisters on the PCT cause all the sand. And I, I remember I had two like almost golf ball sized blood blisters on the bottom of my feet by, oh. by the time I was a hundred miles in. So it was, it was pretty bad. That was the, yeah, it was pretty bad. The, I would definitely recommend gators. Um, okay. for people, uh, especially in the PCT or CDT where things are sandy because that the sand really will, it'll destroy your feet for sure. Yeah. So what did you do like with these blisters and stuff? Like, how did you, do you just keep walking regardless? Did you, you know, puncture them and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would get the, well, they would get to a point where they would either break while you're walking which is Mm -hmm. not fun right or you would pop them um and then i actually what i would do is use luco tape i don't know if you've heard of that yeah um but luco tape um i would pop them and then tape them and then not look at them until i got to town (laughs) (laughs) and then and then eventually it would just you know eventually the the calluses grew and you know Mm -hmm. by the end of the trail you're like 
of Ryan L on your feet. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm sure. Did you have any other issues with injury or anything like that? Um, I had some Achilles issues for sure, which I used a uh, calf compression sleeve to deal okay. with. Um, that really helped me a lot. Um, and then I also had a lot of issues with pack rub, um, like okay. really, really bad pack rub, like like my entire back just totally rubbed raw. Um, and I think that has to do with the wrong, either the wrong size pack mm-hmm. or not keeping your shirt clean enough. Cause it's, it gets really salty after a while, you know, you, you know, and I got to the point where, you know, every day I'd be washing my shirt in a stream, you know, just to kind of right. keep it clean. Now, which, which trail were you were have were you having the issues with the pack rub? Uh, it was really bad on the CDT mainly because at the beginning of the CDT, I had a pack that was too small for me. The torso was too small. So it rode higher on my back. Mm-hmm. And then also I was wearing a cotton t-shirt, which was their cotton wow. button up, which was, you know, I was trying to be cool looking. Right. And it just like, totally was a terrible decision. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> pay for being cool. Right. And, and, you know, of course I, I totally threw that jacket or the shirt away like mm-hmm. after seven days. So probably the first thing that went. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's the first thing that went. <laughs> Did you have any issues with, because of the the weight loss that like hip belts and pack and stuff like that weren't fitting properly or the yeah, same? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, that was uh, kind of a good problem, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I got down to uh, the end, by the end of the PCT, my ULA, the PCT was definitely when I was at my skinniest. I think I was down to like 175 by the end of the PCT. And which for me is, unhealthy and right. I, I like i yeah my my hip belt was too big i i it's crazy i mean i would every you know i would have to like just every 10 minutes like try and you know cinch it down a little further if i could mm-hmm. but yeah was there any way to create some pa- put some additional padding or something in it to help it fit i mean because the pack is resting on that so it completely right. changes the way you wear your pack. Right. I, you know, I saw people put like Thermarest Z lights. They would cut them up and like put them in there to kind of give a little more. Um, but I never did that. It was never, it was like, I, I like narrowly, you know, escaped to the point where, you know, if I, if I got any thinner, like I would have had to do something about it, but it was just kind of, it was just a small annoyance, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't right. like too bad for me. What were the packs that you were using on each of the trails? Um, so on the 18 PCT, I actually used the same um, ULA circuit, which is still in great condition um, because I've always, after each hike, I sent it back to them to have it repaired, which they do for free. Nice. Which, so I can't say enough good things about the ULA. I mean, that thing was an absolute tank. And then, and then on the CDT, I was lucky enough to get sponsored by uh, Superior Wilderness Designs. Um, and they're a custom pack company out of Michigan and okay. they made me two backpacks. The one that I had at the beginning was too small for me. So they made me another one. And that was really great because I, you know, made it totally custom to myself. You know, I was, I had all these little features that I, you know, had thought of and thought would be really cool. And then actually, uh, I guess not on the triple crown, but on my last hike, I used a hyperlight, um, which I really enjoyed as well. Since they've updated their hip belt, they've updated their hip belt size. They've made it a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. 
it's it, really a great, I love their backpack. Um, and I, um, that's a big thing for me is having big hip belt pockets. That's really what I'm looking yeah. for in a backpack is just huge hip belt pockets. So yeah, it was, that was great to see that. Uh, but I, but I, I loved all the packs that I used. It was each yeah, one of them. Great. Was it, was it yeah, a star? I, yeah, moment? definitely. Definitely. So, so on the, the pack that you got to customize, like what was some of your custom features that either you had seen on another pack or like that you came up with because of all of your miles on the trails and you're like, Oh, I, you gotta have this. Right. Right. Um, so on the, on the, on the superior wellness designs pack, I had a roll top pocket. So like on the, yeah, and then on the top where you roll it down, there was like a mm-hmm. zippered pocket that I could open and put my wallet, um, you know, things that I would want to quickly access in town, but still mm-hmm. like keep it secure while I'm hiking. So they, I really disliked getting to town and being like, oh, crap, I need my wallet and having to like unpack my entire backpack to like get yeah. my wallet at the bottom of my backpack. Um, so that was really nice to just have that right there. Um, and then I also had two Lycra mesh pockets on the, on the, um, shoulders, which was really nice, um, for my phone. Um, they actually fit a can of beer perfectly, um, which was really <laughs> nice. um, just snacks, that kind of stuff. And then also on the Superior Wilderness Designs pack, I had the largest hip belt pockets I've ever seen. Like I could literally fit an entire day's worth of snacks in my hip belt pocket in one hip belt pocket. And then the other side could have everything, you know, my phone, you know, my headphones, sunglasses, Mm -hmm. any, anything that I would need to quickly access. Um, And that was really nice because then I could pack my bag so that I could put my food, which is the heaviest thing usually on the bottom, um, which kind of, you know, makes everything really nice to carry. Um, having the heaviest thing on the bottom is definitely, um, something that I would encourage anyone who doesn't know how to pack a backpack. Like that is number rule. Number one is having the heaviest thing on the bottom. And so that was really nice to, to be able to have everything I would need for the day, um, snack wise. So I wouldn't have to get out, get my food out or anything like that. Now those, those hip belt pockets on that, on that pack, were they something that, the the company you said it's superior designs uh superior wilderness designs. wilderness designs sorry now was that a standard size of hip belt pocket that they would do or was that you literally saying i need a pocket that is you know this Huge. big yeah 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 no i um well the first pack they sent me had big hip belt pockets but not not what i was looking for and right. um it was actually like a it was like a side zip pocket um, which kind of was annoying to get things in and out of. Mm-hmm. So the second pack they sent me, they d- doubled the size of the pocket. Uh, and these things are huge. I'm telling you, they're like probably like five liter, like four liter. I don't oh, wow. know. Not four liters. Not four liters. That's, that's, that's pretty big. massive. They're, but they're I get the idea. They're the biggest hip hop pockets I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So, and they have the top and they had a top zip which was really nice. Cause you really, you know, then you can use the entire pocket, you know? Right. So, yeah. And yeah, and then and then yeah, um, I was like, after they sent me the first one, and I was talking about the second one, I'm like, make them bigger, you know, double it, you know, you can't you can't send me too big of a hip hop pocket, you know. <laughs> right. So so were you basically sort of research and development testing for them at that point, or do um, they you know, literally do custom backpacks for each person? 
they literally do custom backpacks for each person, but okay. um, I definitely was part of their R and D because um, that was last year. That was two years ago when they were pretty much a brand new company. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then, they have come a really long way. Though I'm pretty sure they're probably past R and D, and because they, I mean, they're selling thousands of backpacks at this right. point. So it's just kinda, yeah. Have you seen any of their new backpacks? Did they did they integrate your pocket size into the into the packs? Uh, well, since every since every pack is custom, that that it totally depends on what the customer oh, wants, you know. It literally so, is like, custom. Got it. Literally every single pack is yeah custom made. Wow, that's that's a commitment to individuality. Yeah, no. Well, they have like a template, you know. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a it's kind of like a and you can pay extra or whatever to to add whatever you want, you know. And got it. Color wise, it's really it's an awesome thing that they're doing. I mean, uh, I. No other company has that level of customizability. So, absolutely, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now, what did you do, like tent sleeping wise, on each of the trails? Um, I have used a, a quite a myriad of things um, for <laughs> sleeping. For sleeping, um, I used I used a Thermarest just Z Light foam pad for both the AT and PCT. Um, and then a lot of the CDT as well. Um, and then halfway through the CDT, I was lucky enough. We actually went to the Big Agnes headquarters, and they kind of hooked us up and gave us gave us a few things. So I was able to get a, um, a Big Agnes pad, and it should totally changed my life. Honestly, <laughs> uh, the uh, the having having like a real sleeping pad to sleep on is mm-hmm. like I I don't I'll never go back to the foam pad. So. I, yeah, I would, I would just, you know, I, I would even, I would even cut the foam pad in half and have that for my upper body and then put my pack down for the mm-hmm. other part of my body. Um, and then for sleeping bags, I used on the AT and PCT, I used REI Igneo, which was great, great bag, cheap, you know, not expensive, but still mm-hmm. totally, you know, awesome, lightweight, really warm. It was a good, it was a great bag. And then on the CDT, I used a 10-degree enlightened quilt, um, which I actually did not like very much. I, I don't really like quilts that much. I don't. I think they're drafty, and I think they, uh, especially enlightened, they their 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 temperature ratings are are just dead wrong. I I remember multiple times being you know it's 25 degrees and I'm in this 10-degree bag like freezing my mm-hmm. ass so off. What, so I. What made you go to a quilt? just purely white savings. And I was just kind of curious, you know, uh, what the, all the hype was about, <laughs> you know, everybody, a lot of, you know, a lot of people had quilts. So I was like, you know, I was, mm-hmm. I was in the market for a new sleeping bag and um, they're, they're significantly, significantly cheaper than a lot of these mummy bags, like cheaper or lighter, like a, cheaper and lighter both. Okay. So like, yeah, like the, I believe that, it, that enlightened bag was 300 bucks and mm-hmm for a 10 degree whereas the big agnes mummy bag that i have now is like 550 bucks for a 20 degree so so significantly different but right but you know i think it's worth it to pay the more money to be warm mm-hmm. because you're actually warm I, I don't know in my 20 degree bag this, this summer on the gyt i had a couple nights that got down to like you know below 20 and it was i was totally warm you know and um uh, so I felt like I would have been cold in my in my quilt. So, right. the, well, the, and the theory around the quilt is is not that it's wrapping around you. You know, the 
the bottom is essentially open. So that's what it is. Yeah, totally. The, the bottom is, is open and, you know, and yeah, it's wrapped all the way around. You might, you, you can have it cinched down as much as you want, but it's not a sealed bag, you know, right. like yeah. it's not, it's not going to keep all your heat in. Whereas uh, uh, a sealed mummy bag keeps, you know, it's going to keep everything in mm-hmm. now for, you know, but I would say though, the CDT is cold. The CDT is just, you know, notoriously a cold trail. And I think, but I think on the AT and PCT, you'd be fine with a quilt, you know? Right. Yeah. You could do it. The The temperatures yeah. are more conducive. Mild for sure. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Did, what about, what did you do for a tent? So, um, I, let's see, on the AT, I carried an LL Bean one person, uh, which I did not like that much, but it did the job. It's just a little cramped for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the PCT, I carried a big Agnes Fly Creek HVUL2, um, which I love. I still have, I got another one. I loved it so much. Um, and, uh, it's huge. I never got wet in it. It's so easy to put up. It's semi freestanding. So you save a little bit of weight with the poles there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the CDT, I used actually like three or four different kinds of tents because we were, we were kind of sponsored on the CDT. So I was able to kind of like try some other stuff. Nice. The, I got to use, let's see, the Gossamer gear, the one, which I didn't like at all. Um, I'm too tall for it. Um, okay. And I thought it was a single wall tent um, and it, the condensation was really bad. Like I would wake up every morning, like my sleeping bag totally soaked and the tent totally soaked. And every day I would have to like, you know, dry everything out to be warm the next night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, I really didn't like that. Um, and then I switched to, after that I got a, um, oh man, I can't remember. Hyperlite. Yeah. I got a Hyperlite Ultimate too, which was, also a single wall tent, but much, much bigger than the Gossamer Year tent. That tent is great, but it's $800. Ouch. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't have to pay for it. So I was, mm-hmm. I got to use it. And so it's a great tent, but really, uh, the price is a little much, I think right. for it. Um, and then I also, um, used my big Agnes a little bit on the CDT too. So yeah, no, um, I, I, I personally, personally, I think the big Agnes is when it comes to weight price point, um, security, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not having to worry about like the thing about trekking pole tents is, you know, they're great, but trekking poles break, you know, I have yeah. broken so many trekking poles, so many trekking poles. And then you're like, what am I going to do? How am I going to set this up tonight? So it's kind of, um, so I would say just, I, I, you know, moving forward, I'll probably mostly use that big Agnes. So, yeah. Actually, I have a couple of questions in here, but why don't we start with a a very basic one? The, the difference between a single wall and a a double wall, what? Yeah. So, um, single wall tents is like, you have nothing the only thing between you and the outside is like still nylon you know or like whatever material your tent's made out of it's just the one the one single um piece of fabric that you know separates you so that causes a lot of condensation um that and that um kind of stuff a double wall tent well uh, i guess i should say a single wall tent traps your moisture better um than a 
double wall tent. So that causes a lot of condensation. So like a double wall tent, like the big Agnes one is going to have, like, it's going to be like mosquito net basically. And then, you know, so you have that layer of separation, which like there allows like air to kind of flow through the tent Mm -hmm. between those two walls. And it cuts in on condensation a lot. And it also, um, just kind of like is, is more, um, there's just more airflow in the tent, if you know what okay. I mean. Yeah. Um, because it's not, it's not like totally closed off like a single wall tent would be. Um, and then, but, you know, I think the big difference is that, that Gossamer gear tent is just one piece of um, still nylon that is like, you know, you put it up and it's like fully enclosed. Whereas like the, the hyperlite was, it's also a single wall tent, but it's a pyramid tent. So there's, you know, a good three, four inches between the bottom of the tent and the ground. So you, you get that airflow there with that one. So, but in general, like, sorry. Yeah. No, you can go ahead and finish your thought and then I will, and then I will ask the question. But yeah, in in general um, with that, it's just more, um, I think I I, single wall tents are just going to have more condensation. The nature of the beast. Yeah. Now, on the hyperlight tent, you were saying three or four inches above the ground. Is it more of a tarp tent or? Yeah, it's pretty much a tarp. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's literally, it's just a square piece of Cuban fiber with uh, uh, right in the middle, there's like a, you know, a spot for your trekking poles. And you actually take these two straps and you strap your trekking poles together so that it's one long pole. And okay. then you stake out the four corners and then run the pole up through the middle and raise it like kind of like a circus tent, you know? (laughs) So there's like, it's kind of like, you know, it's separated off the ground, like Mm -hmm. from, you know, so there's good airflow there. Yeah, definitely. Did you do a lot of cowboy camping on the trail? Tons, tons, every opportunity I got. Yeah. Um, Because it's just so, I mean, you don't have to set up your tent. It's just so much easier. Plus, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you just wake up in the morning and go. Um, And it's, and it's just nice. I mean, you see some of the best stars in the world out there, you know? So it's just kind of, um, I mean, it's, you want to, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, you want to like look up for a little bit and it's kind of a joy, you know, what you got in front of you. So now, I mean, but with the, like with the big Agnes, you could not put the, the second wall up, right? The rain fly or. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You could just do that. Um, If you wanted to set it up. Yeah. You know, and I would have, I'm, you know, but usually if I'm setting up my tent, it's either because there's, it's going to rain or there's mosquitoes like really bad. So, you know, uh, I would just kind of, if I was going to set up the tent, it was going to be the full thing, you know, mm-hmm. that's right. me though. Yeah. How were the bugs out there? In places really, really, really bad. Um, on the PCT is what comes to mind the first, um, around the thousand mile mark in the Sierras are, like until I had did the trail in Wyoming this past summer, those are the worst mosquitoes I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it was just thick. Like you could not even like, I mean, you get water, fill up your water and it's like, you got 30 mosquito bites on you. Oh. You know, it's just kind of like, you could hear the buzzing all night outside of your tent, like just constant, you know, just you go into your tent and you have to kill like 20 of them. Cause they're just on <laughs> you all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, there there were definitely some really bad 
bug moments for sure. How did you hike? Uh, did you have a head net? Did you try to keep long sleeves? Like what were you doing for that? You know, I had long sleeves, but no bug net. It's just, I, they, it's just personally, I just, I get annoyed having that net in front of my face all day. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you're sweating and you're hiking and you got this net in your face. And I really, I just, I, I didn't like it. But the, the key was just hiking fast enough to create enough wind so that the mosquitoes would kind of be at bay, you know, and they, you know, just not stopping. Basically it was the mm-hmm. key just tight all day, you know, which is where potentially a big hip belt would come in. Cause you could then just keep feeding exactly. throughout the day. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Did you have any other issues with bugs, insects, or even wildlife for that matter, animals? No, you know, I, I got pretty lucky. Um, definitely saw lots of bears. Um, saw probably 20 bears on the whole triple crown and nobody ever messed with me. They all just ran away. And so that was cool. Um, yeah, I, I never had my food stolen or anything like that. I never, yeah. Um, bees were kind of bad on the CDT. Um, but that's, that's just a mind over matter thing. And on the PCT, there's a couple spots. Like in areas where it's really dry, um, the mm-hmm. bees will be at the water sources, like hundreds right. of them. So, and they're just chilling, you know, they don't care that you're there um, as long as you don't mess with them. And that was kind of a, something I had to get over because I historically had been afraid of bees, but now I'm friends with the bees because they never bit me. You know, they would always, they just want to lick your salt. You know, that's all they want to do. They just want to land on you and just like lick your sweat and like they go away, you know, and never, yeah. So that was kind of, Oh, and yeah, yeah. So, like, you become friends with the bees, you know, because you're just like, oh, they just, you know, we're helping them out, you know. And um, on the PCT, though, I just remember there were a lot of yellow jackets. And I got stung, I want to say, like, eight times. And that's not even, that's like a low number. I, I had friends mm-hmm. who got stung 20, 30 times. I mean, because wow. trees fall over on the trail and then they make their nests in the trees mm-hmm. so if you kind of like you know step on one or your friend steps on one in front of you you know you're gonna get stung and like i remember one time you know uh, we were just hiking out of ironically hiking out of trail magic and um um yeah my friend like upset a bee nest and he got stung and started running and i walked up and i got triple tapped like on the back of my leg just like you know like that and mm-hmm. you know I, you know, I haven't been sung by many bees in my life. So I'm like, you know, am I going to go into anaphylaxis? Like, you know, this is kind of, it's just, you know, so that was kind of crazy. It was, it was, it was, I definitely wasn't expecting that for sure. Yeah. No, that's not something that people usually talk about. Yeah. So did you have anything with you for maybe not the extreme allergic reaction, but for uh, the swelling and stuff that, that comes with that? No, nope. I, um, for a medical kit, uh, all I ever had was a needle, ibuprofen, neosporin, and leukotape. That's all I ever carried for a medical okay. kit. Just the facts, just the basics. Just the basics for just making sure your cuts don't get infected and your blisters mm-hmm. can stay covered. That's literally, I mean, when it comes to, I didn't carry a knife on trail for the most part. I mean, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's just, you know mostly minor injuries if you're really going to get a serious injury then you know that's another that's when you hit the spot you know or you know do something else right but the realities are you probably couldn't pack for a 
a fairly major injury anyway. Exactly. Right. So were you, when you were on trail, were you louder or not? Like with, you said the bears ran away from you and did they kind of hear you coming or did you surprise them? And then once they saw you, they, they ran away. Uh, It kind of depended. I mean, yeah, some of the, when I saw like grizzly bears in Glacier, for example, like they knew I was coming and they were hightailing it down the, the mountain, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But there was a couple of times on the AT, especially in Virginia, where the black bears, you know, would just be, I remember like cresting a hill and there's two big black bears in the right in the middle of the trail. And like, they're <laughs> like, you know, oh my God, you know, they freak out and they ran away, you know, that's mm-hmm. the thing with black bears is they're just little babies. I mean, I, you know, you yell at them, like they're gone, they're going to run away. So, mm-hmm. kind of, like, you know, I, I I get excited to see them honestly, cause they're pretty cute and they just kind of, yeah, they're, they're really not, they're not gonna, I just for 90%, 99% of the time, you're not going to really have a problem with them, you mm-hmm. know? But I, I would imagine even as bear friendly as, as you are in that moment of seeing them, there's probably an automatic uh, reaction of fight or flight adrenaline. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, you know, as much as you, as much as you, as much as I say they're cute, and you, but definitely in the moment, it's like, you know, for a second before you, you when you're gauging the situation, it's kind of like, okay, you know, this is a bear, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bear. Yeah, right. So definitely keep it, that in mind. Yeah. They're not friendly. No, no. Did you cross paths with uh, like any big cats or anything? You no, know, no. Um, but my friend actually was. 10 minutes behind me and he came face to face with the mountain right on the PCT. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was totally shaken up by it too. I mean, it literally, it literally like the thing about mountain lions is they don't care. You know, if you come face to face with a mountain lion, like they're just like, they're the big man on campus. You know, mm-hmm. they are not intimidated by you in the slightest. Um, so he, he was lucky. He didn't get harassed or anything. The thing just kind of came up like, within 10 feet of him and just kind of like he yelled at it and it kind of like moseyed off, you know, but, um, that was weird night hiking. We were night hiking the Mojave in Southern California. So that was, or was it the Mojave? It was, yeah. Southern California. Yeah. Southern so, California, basically the big, the desert yeah. section. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now was the cat tracking him or did he just come across it on the trail and then, you know, I don't, we're not sure, honestly. I mean, um, with a, with a, they say with a mountain lion, if you see it, it's not going to kill you. So, okay. like, like for the most part, like with a mountain lion, if it's stalking you, you're not going to know it's stalking you and it's right. going to kill you nowhere. Right. Um, whereas if you see it, you know, it's probably just kind of checking you out, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whatever lets you sleep at night. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> what were your, kind of your best and and worst experiences or days on each of the trails? Sure. Um, well, I would say probably on the AT, nothing really sticks out as a really, really bad day. Um, Except the day you left it? Sure. That's probably the worst day. Yeah, that was probably the worst day on the AT was when I quit. 
Mm-hmm. That was not, yeah, that was terrible. Um, and then, yeah, no, I feel like I, well, there was a time, um, in Virginia where her, when Hurricane Joaquin came through in 2015 and it rained for 15 days straight, um, Ugh. which was just, I mean, it was terrible, but you know, it was the kind of thing where it's like you're on the Appalachian trail. So there's a town to hide in mm-hmm. for a few days. So that was right. kind of the thing, you know, it was like when it got bad on the AT, we would just hide, you know, and it's like, it's kind of like, there's no time pressure. You know, I could have stayed, I finished a week before Thanksgiving, but mm-hmm. I could have finished on Christmas, you know what I mean? It wouldn't have mattered. Um, right. Sure. Things would have gotten a little cold, but that's, that's it, you know? So for the AT, those kind of days were not really, I guess. You, you could or maybe it if you needed you know, to. Right, right. Or maybe it was three years ago and I have kind of forgotten <laughs> how terrible some some that was. But on the PCT, I definitely remember um, one day um, going up to Goat Rocks Wilderness. It was 40 degrees and raining for the entire day. And um, I completely lost feeling in my hands, um, feet. You know, I, oh, I, wow. I got really, really scared and I... I just was like, sorry guys, like, you know, you can keep hiking, but I'm setting on my tent. I'm, I'm, I can't do this. And so I did. And of course it stopped raining like an hour later, but that was just, I remember that just being like, so it was terrifying. Honestly, I was just mm-hmm. like, you know what, you know, I never really dealt with that being that cold and I was unprepared. I, I just, I think, um, PCT hikers, uh, it, it's rough, especially going northbound. Um, they're so used to California, which is just incredible weather-wise. Um, you know, there's, I mean, really, you can just, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But in Washington, you know, you can get a foot of snow, like, instantly. So it's just kind of, yeah. I think, I think really, and Cascade Locks, PCT hikers should pick up clothes to stay warm. And, like, gloves rain mittens the whole nine rain pants everything like to stay mm-hmm. like they should really be gearing up like it's a you know fall hike you know like you're gonna hit early winter kind of a thing pretty much and i did i mean the, my last day on the pct was there was nine inches of snow on the ground so Ooh. i mean and it was september 21st so that's early. You know, yeah so i mean it really it goes quick up there like really mm-hmm. quick yeah um, did you run then, into snow in the sierras yeah, I had some snow. Um, nothing crazy though. Um, definitely had the ice axe and the micro spikes and everything. But yeah, nothing, nothing, not unmanageable or anything like that. Just nice. Mm-hmm. It was just nice consolidated snow, you know. So right. Yeah. So worst time on the CDT? Um, yeah. So pretty much, pretty much the whole week leading up to taking the greed cut off was terrible. Cause I'm, um, we got hit with that snow early, um, which mm-hmm. when was I there? I was there at the end of September. So yeah, like the last week of September, first week of October. And it was just like raining. If it wasn't raining, it was snowing. And you know, we, it was getting down to like 15 degrees every night and you'd wake up and you know, your water is like totally frozen to the bone and just like, you know, it's that kind of stuff just really kind of takes you down mentally. And I, yeah, like extreme cold like that is really just, uh, it's not fun in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, and, and it just broke us down mentally. Like mm-hmm. we were just, I remember 
just Colorado in general, the entire state was just, it's the hardest without a doubt, the hardest state I've ever hiked through. And, um, I just, <clears throat> we just all were completely drained by the end of it. And, um, it's just, it, I mean, it's, it humbles me. I still think about how, how hard that was and just being above 10,000 feet literally all the time was just like another level for me for sure. Did you have any issues with altitude? Um, by that time, no. Um, but on the PCT, I got really, really bad altitude sickness. Um, I was on, I was in Bishop taking a zero, which is down at like 5,000 feet. And then Mm -hmm. boom, the next day, uh, the next day I actually took a six hours to hitch, um, from Bishop back to the trail. And so we were just standing in the desert all day, um, waiting for a hitch and obviously, you know, wasn't very well hydrated. Um, and then the next day went up to 11,000 feet and it just totally destroyed me. I, I actually do like, I had to do like two 10 mile days just throwing up the entire time, you know? And I think that's where I lost like the bulk of my weight on the PCT was definitely in the Sierras because you're just working mm-hmm. so hard doing these passes every day, if not one, two passes every day. And just kind of, you know, and then being sick on top of that, it was just, yeah, that was, it was really bad. That, that's a, that's something altitude sickness is scary. I, 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 Mm -hmm. that's something that I, you know, I really, people should not take for granted. I I think, Mm -hmm. you know, being staying hydrated is obviously the number one uh, there and just kind of like making sure you don't, you know, push yourself with the altitude for sure. For you, was it just waiting, a waiting game or trying to get low again as fast as possible or? Um, I just, I was lucky enough to have two friends that stuck with me. All my other friends hiked on, but I was lucky enough to have two friends that stayed with me and hung out with me, made sure I was okay. And I really just kind of, you know, I just had to take it slow for a couple of days and kind of mm-hmm. re, you know, gain my strength. And then I was able to finish up the section. I'll tell you, I was pretty hungry coming into town. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> That's <for> sure. <laughs> God. So how do you mentally, I mean, hiking any of the trails is a huge mental task and, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But, but how do you keep moving forward when it's ugly, when you're mentally questioning, you know, why are you doing this? What does it actually get me? So forth and so on. Like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I, I think I was lucky. I was lucky on the Appalachian Trail to watch someone finish their Triple Crown. I was literally right there when he finished, um, my friend Texas Pooh finished a Triple Crown. And um, just literally that alone, like seeing him just revel in that triumph and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, all the amazing experiences that he had told me about and just kind of um, instilled in me that, you know, I have to do this, you know, like I, I, you know, no matter how hard it is, there's going to be terrible days. Yeah. But those terrible days or the, you know, those terrible days pale in comparison to the amazing days that you have out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of have to keep in mind that, you know, yes, today might be the worst day of my life, but in two days I could be having the best day of my life. And it's just kind of, you're always just kind of chasing that kind of like, you know, what if the next day is better? What if the next day is better, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I just, I think I was lucky, you know, and another thing is I, I wanted to finish the triple crown by the time I was 20. So that was kind of like um, a goal that I had really hard in my head that I was going to do mm-hmm. these trails like one after another. So that was really the motivator. Just, 
just having having a really specific goal in mind and, and um, having seen someone finish that goal and and see the satisfaction and and, and it's not and, and it definitely wasn't all just about finishing the trail too I was having the time of my life out there you know like um, the fi- finishing the trail is almost the saddest part because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the adventure is over you know and yeah um, so I was lucky enough on all trails to be surrounded by incredible people that kept me going um they I was friend by friends that just wouldn't let me quit you know if I had ever if I ever had a bad time you know I could just mm-hmm. talk to them and they would make me feel better you know and I think that's huge I, I think um the best part of all these trails you know not the mountains not the finishing it not the you know trail magic it's the people that you meet out there and make friends with um really like our lifelong lifelong friends from all over the world and mm-hmm. um it's just really um you don't want to leave them you know you want to yeah. be out there with them and, and and enjoy the adventure so yeah that that's what really kept me going when it was hard for sure how how big did your trail families grow to on on the different trails I was um, pretty lucky. I, I have pretty big fail, trail families, which actually, um, actually, now that I've done all this hiking, um, a big trail family can actually be more of a burden than a benefit. Um, mm-hmm. On the AT, I was with like 10 people for the most part. On the PCT, we were 13 deep at one point. On the CDT, I was like, you know, there was like seven or eight of us at one point. So I've, I've been lucky to really be surrounded by a lot of people. It's kind of like a party every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that really like kind of, that's a big part of it. But, you know, I actually, but for the most part though, on the PCT and the CDT, it was kind of smaller groups. Um, you know, at, you know, you kind of like move around and, you know, you get with people and, so at one point, yeah, it was 13 people, but on the PCT, for the most part, I hiked with just one other guy and we were just kind of like a, you know, a unit, you know, and that really, um, that's, that's how you make the miles, you know, you have to be efficient, you have to be motivated. And, and I think, you know, two, three people is like the perfect size for, for a trail doing that. group. So, yeah. So, so basically like you were, you were in a, a, larger group that was about 13 people or so but i would assume that you're probably you hike you're hiking faster so you you're getting with a different group of people or that that the front leaders of that 13 people and then maybe you hike slower another day and you're with the back people in that group and like you're you're kind of moving around within it yeah you kind of bop around which is nice too because you know you get to kind of you know i mean uh no matter how great a person is, if you're with them for five days straight, you might get annoyed by them. So, you know, it's kind of nice <laughs> to, you know, be able to, you know, kind of move around and, you know, be able yeah. to have, you know, talk to other people. So would, would you consider yourself to be a solo hiker or? No, definitely not. I've never, I've never done a solo hike ever. I, I don't think I would enjoy it. Okay. I'm just more of the kind of person who, I mean, I, I have the desire to do a solo hike at some point and I definitely will. Um, but I think when you're standing on top of a mountain by yourself, you know, what's the fun in that? You want to be mm-hmm. laughing and joking and having a good time with somebody else, you know, enjoying the view together. You know, that's really the people are what make the mountains for me, you know, mm-hmm. being those shared experiences are really important to me. Somebody else to turn to and go, did you see that? Yeah, right. Someone, you know, it's like, this is really amazing, you know, to be able to just yeah. kind of like, yeah, that's, it's really important. 
So, so on each of the trails, did you have somebody that you started with or did you pick up those, that person or, or whatever is the trip as you got on the trail? Um, on the PCT and CDT, I started with people because I already had hiker friends who were kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, doing the stuff. Um, but on the AT, I started alone and just made friends, um, which was real quick, you know. I, I've heard that from people that, you know, even if you start as a solo hiker, particularly on the PCT and the AT, because it's so popular, oh, yeah. you could very well end up with somebody from day one. Oh, for sure. Uh, on the PCT, um, I started with two guys and then we met one other guy who hiked all the way to until he had to get off the trail, like a thousand miles later cause he hurt himself. And then he mm-hmm. did the CDT with us. So, I mean, it's like, you know, on the AT and PCT, if you start when people start normally, you're going to meet at least 10 people on day one, at least. When, when did you start the PCT? What was your start date there? Uh, May 1st. May 1st. Okay. And you finished mid late September. September 21st. Yeah. September 21st. 141 days. Yeah. Wow. It yeah. is pretty amazing. And and speaking of amazing, I mean, congratulations for finishing the Triple Crown before you turn 20. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That is, that uh, is <laughs> amazing. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I really, I mean, it was, it meant a lot to me. Uh, I definitely, um, yeah. I feel so lucky to, I'm in college now and uh, mm-hmm. just kind of, I don't know, the life experience that I've seen compared to some of my classmates is just kind of, it's helped me a lot, really. Um, just oh, kind of, sure. you know, I, I, yeah, well, it's, it's helped me and hurt me because now I'm addicted to hiking and it's like, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> doesn't really yeah. go well when you're trying to like get a college degree and, uh, you know, have a career and stuff. So it, it probably will shape or influence the career. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm a natural resource management major. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what is next for you? I mean, you've done the triple crown, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, last summer I, um, I created my own trail, um, the greater Yellowstone Traverse, uh, which is 500 miles in Wyoming. Um, and I got to do that. Uh, it took me 44 days. And that was awesome uh, to, to, to be able to, I felt like when I was going through that area on the CDT that kind of like I, I, I wanted to see more, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. I, I made this crazy route, which was the craziest adventure I have ever been on. Um, and uh, so that was awesome. And uh, so now I'm kind of working on a guidebook for that and um, working on um, kind of getting that established and hopefully someday national scenic trail status i don't know pick it up um (laughs) but uh yeah so that's kind of what's been next for me is creating these creating my own routes um Mm -hmm. which has been really fun um kind of um open up you know i don't you know i mean it's these trails are great but you know i want to do my own trail you know so um right and then i i think um I think the next next big adventure for me will be the American Southwest. Um, I want to do the um, the Haydu Trail and the Arizona Trail in one continuous sixteen hundred mile um, go. Um, wow! Which uh, at its earliest would happen next fall, but okay. could be a couple of years down the road. I can't decide if I want to take a break from school because every time I go hiking, I get all this, you know you know, I just get all these ideas in my head, like I don't need mm-hmm. college, you know, all this, you know, <laughs> so I, uh, and, and, and coming back to coming back to school, especially this semester has been after the GYT was really, really hard. Cause I just kind of, mm-hmm. 
I lost my motivation kind of. Um, yeah. So I think, I think, I think I, it's smarter for me to probably just focus on school right now and getting that done. And then once I get that done, it's going to be work, hike, work, hike, mm-hmm. work, hike. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. I definitely, definitely want to go job. international. There's so many, I mean, there's just so many places. Mm-hmm. Now the, the GYT you did with cheese beard, right? Yeah. 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 We created okay. Yeah. I, I've spoken to him actually. Oh, cool. Nice. So, uh, yeah. Was he, he was part of your group as well on the CDT? Yeah. And the PCT as well. And And he actually did the AT. He actually did the AT the same year as me and I passed him in the night. (laughs) We never met. (laughs) So How random. Yeah. Yeah. What would you like people to remember most about the trail or, or did you feel, do you feel like there's anything we, we, missed or we didn't talk about about the trails uh, well i think um it's really important that people if they're hiking the trail to to also be stewards of the trail um you know picking up trash um, maybe even a little trail maintenance along the way moving trees and stuff out of the way reporting wildfires you know proper pooping practices um, that's something, especially as the AT and PCT get more popular, um, that we need to really focus on because, you know, nobody wants poop in their water, you know, and that's happening yeah. all over the place because, because people are not properly doing that stuff. So I think, um, for people who, for new through hikers and just people who've never backpacked before, you know, I think that that's a really important, um, aspect of it all. And then also just to kind of, I don't know. Uh, um, kind of just let the journey happen. You know, P- these people, everyone tries to plan it so much mm-hmm. and you just can't, I, 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 especially a through hike, you have no idea like what your body's going to do, um, and how many miles you're going to be able to hike each day. You know, you just kind of have to, and that's why I don't like sending out, you know, are you doing all these resupply boxes? Cause it kind of, it can force you to, you know, do certain things you don't want to do. Um, you know, for example, like getting to the post office in time for it to, you know, be open or closed. So I I think, you know, people, if you can just kind of like maybe, uh, just plan the first hundred, 200 miles and then just kind of go off the whim from there. Mm -hmm. I, I, I planned the AT out to a T pretty much PCT out. Um, I only planned like maybe like just my boxes is all the research I ever did. And then on the CDT, I really didn't. Um, the only research I did was for the movie. Um, but other than that, um, it was all just kind of, out, you know, on a whim. So, and that's, and that's just, you know, you're, you're out there for freedom. You know, you're out there to be unattached from any, you know, schedules or real world, anything. So you kind of just, if, if you're, you know, plan it too much, you're going to miss out on that, I think. So, Right. You'll, you'll miss out on part of the, the serendipity, serendipity, yeah. all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the movie, uh, where is that? Do you know, like, where can we see it? Um, is the it movie ready to be is seen? not, um, yeah, I would say we're probably about a year out from, uh, okay. from any kind of official movie, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Would you do that sort of thing again? I mean, like bring the camera out there and, and document it like that, or does that become too much of 
having to think it was, from a different perspective. It was kind of a burden. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, there was a, we had a whole film crew. I mean, there was like eight people on the film crew, and um, you know, it was just kind of there were times where I just it got in the way, you know, of being in, in the moment, you know? Um, so, you know, maybe I would, I would do it again, but just on my own or with maybe just one other person who's, you know, a good person, you know, a good filmer, that kind of stuff. I just, I think the whole, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't do that style of thing again. You'd be your own film crew basically. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up here quick but i i wanted to ask you what was your best day best time on trail kind of circling back to that question my best day on trail you know there's a lot of there's a lot of i have a lot of best days i i would say um really just kind of um anytime i i just i just love like being in nature so much that it's kind of easy for me to get impressed or, you know, you know, just kind of um, really kind of infatuated with how lucky I am to be where I was. And um, so really, I mean, really like anytime the weather was good and I was on top of a mountain, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think, um, you know, I just, um, there were, you know, a couple of days where we would, hit trail magic like three times or whatever and you know that's always yeah so to be able to to have that and you know um and it a lot of fun a lot of fun when there was a lot of hikers around too you know we um like what was great is all these little hangouts um that are in the middle of nowhere that no one goes to um but hikers so you know, you know, like, um, I'll, I think back specifically to Shelter Cove in Oregon and, um, it's just this little, you know, um, lake resort kind of, and they have like just a little general store with pizza and beer and, you know, everything you need to have fun and, and, you know, a lake to jump around in. And I remember just, you know, we got there kind of early in the day and just, there were 40 hikers there and we just had a little party, you know, hang around, we swim and, you know, and just kind of like, just just the, the general, generally just not having anything to worry about just makes everybody so much happier and more fun. So really those, those organic, just fun moments that they, they happen all the time because everyone is just so carefree and, um, you know, on vacation. <laughs> right. Right. They're, they're sort of their best versions of themselves. Exactly. Exactly. I think, um, yeah, everyone is their best version of themselves out there. For sure. Yeah. So where can people find you or where would you like people to find you? Um, I have Instagram. Um, and then, um, that's really it right now. Uh, unfortunately I don't have a website or anything. I'm definitely kind of hoping to get that kind of, um, under construction here soon. I don't really, I've never, really done anything like that so um, but yeah right now i'm just on instagram okay and you're on instagram at oc underscore boyd boyd yep yep okay and oc is stands for your trail name which is oil Oil right yes yeah i I can only imagine where that came from um uh, yeah uh 
It's actually after um, Oil Can Boyd, the baseball player for the Red Sox, like back in the 70s. Um, and he was just kind of like a, it's kind of an obscure reference. Like really, I, I was always funny. I would like, you know, get these 70 year old guys picking me up for hitchhikes. And I'd be like, and, you know, Oil Can Boyd, do you remember that baseball player? And they're like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and. <laughs> Uh, so it was always kind of funny, but yeah, it's just um like my fr- actually I didn't get that on trail. Um, my friends, it's kind of been my nickname. Um, it was like just before the trail ad, um, for a while, so I just thought it was good. I thought it was unique, you know. I I no one would have that same trail name, so I just kind of went with that. And um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so it worked. I mean, how many people are going to be carrying an oil can for God's sakes? <laughs> right, totally, totally. And and thank you so much. You have a, a really interesting, great perspective on it. You know, I mean, how many people come to something that they love so young and and just yeah, crank it out? I, I'm pretty lucky. Definitely pretty lucky in that respect. Definitely. So yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Aaron. Have a have a good night. You too. Take care. And links for Eddie's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Eddie for sharing his stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I would love to hear about your trail stories as well. So please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would also love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.